It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 300, Jesus the Intercessor and the Death of John the Baptist. While the disciples go out, Jesus disappears from our storyline. Where do you think he goes? Imagine Moses holding up the staff while Joshua is winning the battle. This is the case. The disciples are going out and doing the works, but Jesus is not present, at least in the storyline. Jesus is most likely on the mountaintop praying. And he's praying for his disciples, but there's also something else going on at the same time. John the Baptist is facing death himself. Death itself. Jesus, the great intercessor, has gone invisible from the scene so he can cover everyone in prayer. The disciples as they're evangelizing and John the Baptist as he's facing his final hours. Isn't that what intercessors do? Now what Jesus said about fasting, go into your room where no one can see you. Go to your Father and he will answer your prayers. Jesus is probably high up on a mountain praying, symbolically holding up his staff and covering everyone in prayer. It's hard to understand, but we're all called to prayer. After all, Jesus is the great intercessor, one who stands in the gap and covers you in prayer. Check out these verses. It'll kind of blow your mind thinking that Jesus himself prays for us. Romans 8:38. It says that Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 1 John 2, 1. Read that Jesus is the advocate with the Father. Hebrews 7:25 says that Jesus always lives to intercede for us. This is where Jesus is right now. He's covering us in prayer. What we see in this episode is something referenced kind of in the previous episode. When, when you stand before kings, he will fill your mouth with words to say. This is the case with Jesus and John the Baptist. Jesus is praying or covering. John the Baptist is facing his final hours. He's, he's saying his final words. He's even evangelizing to the, those in jail, those his guards, um, those who are, you know, are there. It's, there, there's more to this story, and we'll try to cover it all. Well, the disciples are evangelizing. Jesus is on this mountaintop. John the Baptist fighting for his life. Here's the account. A bit of a background first. John the Baptist is imprisoned by Herod the Tetrarch. He's Herod the Great's son. And if you remember, upon Herod, uh, King Herod the Great, this would have been the, the first one, the big king over Israel at the time. He's the one that killed the infants. His, at his death, his kingdom is split into four. His son, Herod Antipas, um, also called Herod the Tetrarch, was only given the territory of Galilee and a portion of the land on the Jordan River. His kingdom is very small compared to his father's. And he, it's almost as if he has a token of a kingdom compared to his father's lands. His wealth is minimal and his prestige is tiny. Herod Antipas, this is the son again of Herod the Great, and the current king of Galilee in this Jordan River portion. He's a token king of Rome and he's got a bodyguard and let's say maybe a few hundred guys, you know, his father had at least 400. Um, it says these are kind of 
you know, chosen Ger Germanian guards. That's what his father had. The, nothing close to what um, King Antipas is going to have. But of course, Rome has its legions in his land. And in fact, Capernaum was a home to a Roman garrison. Herod Antipas is a complex, uh, and if you look at him psychologically, Herod Antipas has complex daddy issues. In fact, his father, this King Herod, of course, was threatening to kill him back in the day. And listen to some previous episodes. He had every intention to kill his own son. He had killed other sons until he died of worms and other uh, other complications. He's got extreme insecurities, Herod Antipas, and he's a bit power mad and extremely insecure. He's got a soft, sensitive spiritual side, but this is always overruled by his fears and insecurities of losing power. It says Herod Antipas was actually quite interested in Jesus and he respected John the Baptist. He's a complicated guy, but he would quickly kill him for fear of his guest at his table. He was enthralled by Jesus, but turned quickly when the Pharisees came shouting. In the simplest of terms, Herod Antipas had a spiritual side, but it was nothing compared to his fears and insecurities, which led him to drastic decisions. And given his notable weaknesses, he just became a pawn in the devil's schemes to end John the Baptist's life, and later, Jesus' life. I find the two accounts of this scene in Matthew and Mark remarkable as they start like a movie script with a flipped scene. They start with the torment of Herod Antipas after the death of John the Baptist. He's tormented, and it's appropriate that he should be, for he killed a holy man for the sake of his dinner guest. What's that all about? The halls of King Herod are filled with the spirits of darkness, no doubt. Many of them inherited from his father's generational inequity and welcomed through probably dark magic that operates in his halls and the worship of little gods. And as you hear in this account, there should be no doubt to the parallels of Queen Jezebel, her daughter Athaliah, and even the actions of Ahab. In the words of Jenison and Franklin, I heard him once say that spirits never die. And understanding geography, we have to understand ancient Samaria wasn't too far from Herod's palace. All right, let's, let's dive in. Mark 6, 14. King Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah. And still others claim he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. It's interesting how he's being tormented. You know, our story starts backwards. The account begins this way. It's like a movie script, like I said. And I can almost see the disciples, you know, at this time, they're doing miracles, and Jesus has been praying for them on the mountaintop. But now Jesus gets on his knees on the mountaintop to pray for John the Baptist because this is happening simultaneously. John, the, the disciples are doing miracles, evangelizing, spreading the good news. John the Baptist is facing his vital hours. 
Mark 6.17 For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It's not lawful for you to have a brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing he was a righteous and holy man. And when Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. So here's a bit more background. It's an episode of Jerry Springer or something like that. King Herod Antipas divorced his first wife, I don't know how to say the name, Phasalius, the, the daughter of King Eratos IV of Nabatea. King Eratos would later get his revenge, but in the meantime, Herod would pursue his brother's wife, Herodias. Herodias was married to his partial brother, Philip. That was one of the other kings. Uh, or or some, some interpretations say it was actually not one of the other kings. Um, but whom she would divorce against the traditions of the day to marry King Herod Antipas. This was scandalous, and no doubt it was well-known news in its day. And it was this scandalous act that John the Baptist rebuked him for. Now we can deduce a lot of, you know, from Herodias's action. She was power hungry. She left her husband for a more powerful husband. She was power hungry. She was selfish. Most likely controlled by a very dark spirit to follow her lust, not for this other man, but for power. She carried a Jezebel-like spirit, and knowing what happens next, violence was nothing to add to her list of sins. Just another thing. She hated John the Baptist because he rebuked her as well for her sins. Mark 6, 21. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias, this would have been from her previous marriage, came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guest. History attributes the name of Salome to this girl who danced, most likely pretty provocative, um, on his birthday. And also note the guests of this party, leading figures, nobles, military commanders. These people the king greatly feared. He didn't want to please them, he feared them because of the decision that he would make. Because it said before that he actually liked John. Now for him to go against his own personal desires, it was mean he had great fear of these other people at the party. Mark 6.21 The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you up to half my kingdom. So this is a clever moniker, right? Half of a kingdom. Uh, but technically, it was only a fourth of his father's kingdom, which is only eighth of a kingdom. It's just so sad that he was ruled by the same fear that ruled his father, and the spirits running rampant in this palace, that he would you know, fear losing eight, an eighth of his kingdom, <laughs> an eighth of his father's kingdom. Anyways, there's, there's a lot of mockery in the story and that one of them would actually call him the Tetrarch. One would call him king. He's not even really a king. He's just a Tetrarch. And then he was a half of a kingdom and he only inherited a fourth of his kingdom because his father was such a wicked man that he, the descendants didn't get much. It's There's such a, uh, you know, a disdain of these Herods in this time frame.
Mark 6, 24. She went out, this is Herodias's um, daughter, she went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? And this is just so wicked, so wicked, that a mother would tell this to her daughter. And the response was, the head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl, girl hurried in to the king with a request. I want you to give me, right now, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guest, he did not want to refuse her. So, so he immediately sent an executioner with the orders to bring John's head. The men went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. We conclude this episode. Um, it's kind of a heavy account, man. Um, the story of King Herod Antipas continues after the scene from the history books. You don't hear much from him in the biblical account. King Antipas would lose his kingdom in 27 AD, mostly the consequence of, you know, his marriage to Herodias. Well, because of the, you know, the, the fury that was aroused in King Eratos's um, divorce of his, you know, first wife, um, there was issues there. King Eratos invades his kingdom. Then the Romans save his kingdom. Then conspiracies continue until he's actually accused of treason and he's sent into Gaul, modern France, in exile in 37, could be as late as 39 AD, where he uh, ends up dying later of an unknown date, um, he and his wife. The kingdom they work so hard to keep is taken from them, and all their power is reduced to nothingness. All the prestige and power taken from them and all they had now was actually each other, which appears to matter the most, at least according to Herodias's actions. What goes around comes around, right? The sad thing is that his own relative would be the one who would maneuver to remove him from power, power about 37 AD. Another Herod by the name of Herod Agrippa I, who would maneuver to seize his kingdom successfully. And it was this Herod who would rise to great temporary heights to only face, to actually fall dead in Caesarea in 44 AD, dying to worms when an angel struck him dead in Acts 12. Nearly ending the entirety of the line, a wicked line of men who, who killed with impunity those who opposed them in their wicked schemes. We'll see one more Herod, Herod Agrippa II, in Acts 25 and 26. He will, in fact, nearly be converted with the preaching of Paul, but Herod Agrippa II will be the last of the Herodian kings. Four generations of Herods. It's sad to think that Exodus 25 is so true, and that the wickedness of Herod was so bad that it would go to the third and fourth generation, the, the consequences. The wickedness of the Herods fell upon their own head. Exodus 25 states that the inequities of the fathers are visited upon the sons and daughters until the third and fourth generation. The power they work 
so hard to keep was taken from them. Two of them lost their lives to horrid circumstances. Another exiled, and the fourth was almost like God's final attempt to convert them, but to no avail. Let's just kind of conclude conclude this episode with the word to the kings of the earth. Let this scene be a reminder to the wicked of the world. The harm you brought down upon others will come down upon your own head if you don't repent. Only repentance can save you. Only the cross of Jesus can prevent these horrid things from coming down upon your own head. The Herods who built up Jerusalem to mighty heights. The wicked, they, they, that was their, their greatest achievements, was architectural and building a kingdom. But their wickedness led them to, to kill holy people, um, to kill babies two years and younger, to, to do wicked things in the fear of losing their power. Only repentance can save you. Only the cross of Jesus can prevent these horrid things from coming down upon your own head. The trap you set for others will become your own snare. Repent, or it will come down upon you as well. Jesus was praying for his disciples in this scene. He was praying for John the Baptist to stay true to the end, because John was still human. But I believe even Jesus was praying for the heart of Herod Antipas, for this is his greatest desire, to see the repentance of every and each and every human being. Receive forgiveness today in Jesus' name. Get down on your knees, make a heartfelt cry, and tell Jesus how sorry you are for your sins. He will forgive you. And if you fall tomorrow, get on your knees every single day and commit yourself more and more to God each day. And he will forgive you, turn you from darkness into light. And who knows, you may just turn that wicked curse that goes to the third and fourth generation and redeem you and redeem it. He would give you an inheritance, a blessing instead of a curse and redeem you and turn your family line into a blessing for future generations. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to check out the website, messagetokings.com, uh, or if you want to chat or connect with us, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.